I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. What's going on, everybody? It is Kyle. This is Top Rope Nation SE Scoops. Blue Wire Pods, you know the deal. We're everywhere. I don't know how much of this is going to be on the main feed. I don't know what if this is all going to be an extra. I don't really know. I'm just talking about wrestling for the next hour plus. And uh, with Ryan and Justin gallivanting off to the Big Easy, uh, they have already landed in New Orleans, Louisiana. And oh. I am headed to the basement. Uh, well, at, just, just for Thursday, I'll be in the basement. I'm, I'm actually leaving town myself to attend a uh, work function for the NCAA tournament Friday and Saturday in upstate New York. So we got to get a show in. We're doing it early this week. It's going to be me, but I am not flying solo. Joining me is a very good friend of the show. You have heard him many times before. He is one of the finest individuals any of us have ever met. And I am sure at some point in the near future, he will be breaking Dino Bravo's world record of 715 pounds on the bench press. Please <laughs> welcome me and joining your good friend and mine, Mr. Jesse Velasquez. Jesse, how the hell are you doing, buddy? I love the introduction, Kyle. I'm always doing well, especially when I'm on TRN soil, as I am once <laughs> again today. And I'm jealous of all three of you. And have you been to New Orleans since WrestleMania 34? Would be my question to you. No, that was my last time there, I believe. Yeah, that was my last time there. Okay. So my assumption is that's probably that's their first time back in a while as well. No, that's actually a lie. I completely lied. I've been there. I've been back. I was there for a bachelor party a couple of years ago. I, I, I get it all mixed up. It all, it all runs together. I'm hammered every time I'm down there, so I don't know what year it was. I know I've been there three times and have been absolutely blasted all three. So uh, there you go. That's what happens in New Orleans, and I hope uh, Ryan and Justin are already feeling good. Uh uh, here as we record on Tuesday. I don't know when. The, I think the show's going to be dropped on Friday for you guys. And we have a loaded show, do we not, Jesse? Oh, my goodness. I am loving the agenda that you have put together for us, Kyle. I'm going to try to live vicariously through the three of you as I would love to be in New Orleans and I would love to be talking March Madness at a work function in New York upstate, that is, as well. So, uh, yes. Here we go. Absolutely. But on the agenda for today, pro wrestling related, Jesse and I will be uh, going back to the last edition of Top Rope Nation, where uh, Ryan and Justin had a really good debate on the John Cena promo with Austin Theory. We're going to be offering our thoughts on that. We'll also be offering thoughts on the main event scene as it continues to unfold in WWE. Our thoughts on the Jey Uso turn last week, uh, Cody Rhodes promo last night. Uh, how things are trending there. We will take a look at the WrestleMania 39 card and how it compares to previous two-day manias. This will be the fourth two-day mania. Of course, that began uh, WrestleMania 36, a uh, very inauspicious start as the pandemic uh, had uh, just taken hold uh, for the first one there. Not one, but two Roman Reigns debates, Jesse, that we are going to have on the show. The first centers around the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards, where John Moxley captured Wrestler of the Year over Roman Reigns. Both Todd Martin of the Pro Wrestling Torch and the very divisive Jim Cornette went off 
on that voting, and we will discuss their criticism and what we thought about it. And we'll also discuss uh, something that was in uh, being discussed in the Facebook, uh, the Top Rope Nation Facebook group, that is. Pardon me if I get the toilet paper on my mouth there. Uh, <laughs> Roman Reigns and Triple H, who had the better WWE slash WWF career. Uh, I think that's very interesting as Roman Reigns nears 1,000 days as the unified champion. Will he get there? Uh, we shall see. But we begin with Bray Wyatt, Jesse, everyone's favorite topic of discussion. And speculation had run wild on social media Monday that Wyatt had walked due to creative issues. I think that speculation had something to do with the absence coinciding with Vince McMahon's return to TV last week. Maybe the odd muscle man video that we saw on Raw. But Fightful said their WWE sources told them it was a physical issue. Uh, I will read some copy from F4W online in a moment. But Jesse, I want to give you the chance to speak. What was kind of your thinking when you uh, saw this speculation running amok on social media yesterday about Bray Wyatt? A lot of confusion. I'll try to keep this concise and short here. Let's face it, we all know over the last six months that Bray Wyatt's reemergence in the WWE has not been good whatsoever. We had He had a very, very good de- re-debut, that is, or a return of sorts at Extreme Rules. Crowd loved it. Philadelphia crowds, they always have a tendency to heighten things more often than not. So it was right place, right time for his return. Ever since then, it's just been a lot of gibberish. It's been a lot of scuzzlebutt. It's been (laughs) one match over the course of the last six months. And that one match was not very memorable. And we can make fun of it. Till the cows come home, the Mountain Dew piss break match is what I heard it was called with L.A. Knight. And L.A. Knight has not exactly been painted in the greatest of lights in WWE television or backstage from what I know. So I guess with this whole thing, the combination of Vince making his return last week, I I guess this from what I'd heard as well is that John Cena is the reason that he was backstage. But that could just be covering up something else. I, I I don't know what this is when it comes to Bray Wyatt, but just this whole creative that he's tried to bring to the table, and it sounds like he, it's been 100% him, has been a total flop. Would you agree with me? I would, and we'll get to that in a moment, because I think that's the larger issue here, no matter if this is a nothing burger about him being off TV, off the MSG show, or if there's more to it. But this is what uh, was uh, posted at F4WOnline.com that, of course is, uh, you know, the Wrestling Observer, basically. And I'm going to read this verbatim. Despite a recent absence from WWE events, it looks like Bray Wyatt is still planned to face Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Wyatt hasn't been on WWE television in two weeks and missed WWE's house show at Madison Square Garden this Sunday, though neither Wyatt nor Lashley appeared on Raw last night. Uh, That would be Monday, March 13th, for those keeping score at home. But Dave Meltzer reported on Wrestling Observer Radio that from what he understands, the match is still on for WrestleMania. From what I understand, says Dave, the match is still on for WrestleMania, Meltzer said. And Wyatt should be back very soon, so we'll see. That's pretty much all I can say. There is something to it. 
but I'm not at liberty to discuss it. As far as I know, everything that I've been told is that it's not a creative issue or anything like that. Amid rumors uh, that the article would go on to say about wife status, Lashley tweeted before Raw on Monday, quote, I've worked too hard to be denied. I will be ready to fight on the biggest stage of them all. Hashtag WrestleMania. I don't care who it is. Somebody will feel the wrath of the almighty. So certainly when you see a tweet like that coming from Bobby Lashley, it makes you think that there's kind of a long-term issue with Bray Wyatt, right? That he's of the belief, oh man, my WrestleMania match can be in jeopardy. But Dave is saying that the WrestleMania match is still on. We've heard it could be a physical issue. Dave saying it's not a creative issue, but he's not at liberty to discuss it. So what do you think now, Jesse, as I read that to you? I mean, does that change? I mean, well, we'll get into Bray Wyatt big picture here in a second, but this is just an odd thing. Again, it could be a nothing burger where it's just a personal issue that's caused him to take a, a brief leave. But something seems rotten in Denmark here. It really does. And I'm actually going to read in between the tea leaves to some of his promos in the first few weeks when he returned. He had talked about like a lot of his personal life. And that was actually some of the parts that I enjoyed about Bray Wyatt was his his promos about obviously losing Brody Lee, number one, being being let go, number two. And he's trying to rediscover himself. So, again, I was hoping they would tap into more of the realism or just of of Wyndham Rotunda and maybe flip the script there. So I don't know from a physical perspective what in the world it could be. He looks to me like he's a little out of shape. I would and I know that you have alluded to this in the past. Elter has as well that he Part of the reason why Vince let him go is that he was overweight. He he had definitely put on 15, 20, 25, and work rate's never really been his strong suit. So I could definitely understand why he was let go. And now with the combination of what uh, Fightful is reporting to be physical, and then from what we're hearing in some of his promos and some of the stuff he's been saying online, some of it's mental – I think just this whole thing's been thrown in a blender. And now with Vince reemerging last week, I your guess is as good as mine as to what in the world it is, Kyle. Yeah, I, you know, Meltzer got a lot of shit when he noted uh, Wyatt's weight gain in the last run, like during the Orton feud. But I know that was an issue. I know for a fact that that was an issue between him and WWE. Like, they, they, they were not happy with his physical fitness. I, I know that for a fact. So I I don't know. Obviously, we wish the best for him personally, physically, mentally. We want the man to be well. Look, I joked about it on uh, the Facebook group yesterday. If, you know, he was mad creatively and just split after, you know, getting a big, hefty new contract and working one match, my hat's off to you. You know, this is a win for everybody. He, He got a bunch of money. Okay, I'm not going to see him work uh, anymore, but, uh, you know, and and, and let's go back to that because you hit on this. That really, you know, we're going to talk about the WrestleMania 39 card here in a little bit as a whole, but like Bray Wyatt's return, all the returns have not worked, really. Would you agree with that? I thought 
the fiend worked for a couple of months. Well, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, like since Triple H, I, I let me clarify. Since Triple H took over in the summer, like when Bray Wyatt, like all of the people he's brought back from NXT, where it's carrying Cross, freaking Hit Row, and, and the lot, most of those people have not made a uh, quality impact. Would you agree with that? I would 100 percent agree with that. Okay, so. You know, Wyatt, you mentioned that it got a huge reaction in the building when he finally returned. They did a good job hyping it up. It's not for me because I knew where it was going to lead. But, you know, I, I think, you know, big picturing Bray Wyatt, it's pretty clear to me, Jesse, it doesn't matter if it's Vince's vision, Triple H's vis vision, or Wyatt's own unfiltered vision. This guy pretty much stinks as a TV character if yes. he's going to lean into the spookiness. Yes. And... You know, him and Lashley, I don't know, man. That So that Muscle Man thing, apparently that's just recycled from the Cena feud? It is, yes. And it's actually, yeah. And it's actually recycled from, I think, when he first reintroduced that character as well. And ironically, he was actually in shape for him when he made that video, I think. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, like, during, during, like, the references that he was making, because I think he used a Vince puppet as well, was... You, you called me overweight, and, I mean, he was at the time, but he actually got himself into pretty decent shape at that time. Yeah. So, I don't know. There was We had debate about it. People thought he was walking because there was another creative issue between him and the company. Both Sean Ross Sapp and Meltzer have denied that, and it, it seems like there's something else going on, but I think we're all in agreement, no matter what the reason is, and we hope the man as well, that um, – <laughs> You know, the character it certainly uh, has not been working on WWE television. I, I'm sorry. I know there are fans of it. It is just not for me. You mentioned the Black Jizz match against, let me talk to you, <laughs> LA Knight. Uh, it just, you know, of, of all the, I mean, that's all that's happened with this character. He He's in no different place really now than when he returned, you know, beating a guy in a, you know, a match that was just, you know, to satisfy a sponsor and the guy had no credibility that does nothing. So yeah, Bray Wyatt, uh, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something, but at the end of the day, the character still reeks. All right. Speaking of something that I thought reeked, I thought it reeked more than, uh, Justin and Ryan thought it reeked. And that was last week on raw, this John Cena, Austin theory promo. What did you think about it first? Pretty much in your camp. And there's actually a pattern when it comes to John Cena tearing apart characters. And it kind of tips off his hand on the what the direction is going to – of the match that's going to take place happens. Because he tore apart Roman Reigns in 2017 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and won the match. And I mean, I, I believe he did this in the past with Randy Orton back in 2009, if I recall, where he, he kind of tore him apart. Same thing with Dwayne Johnson the first time at WrestleMania, where he ripped on him for looking at his wrist for his promos. And what sure. happened? The Rock ended up going on to win the match. So kind of plays into Cena. And it, it's and, not a good look, especially if you, you want to try to push this guy, Austin Theory, that is. And, and, and Wyatt, you talked about. Just moments ago, like before the the WrestleMania match in the empty arena, the stupid Firefly Funhouse thing, like he 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 said a lot of the same things to Wyatt that he did to Theory last week, right? About the no heart. 
and whatnot. Yes. I, I, rem- I remember in front of the empty chairs, Cena saying something very similar. So, okay. Not only that, Kyle, no one has really gotten elevated from this as well, from that happening. It took a while for Roman, especially. Yeah, you know, the thing is, like, it should be a big deal when you beat John Cena. And you're right, it very rarely is. Like, it's kind of, it's a testament to how, you know, what a big star John Cena is that he can just come back, take these losses, return, and, you know, he's, he's bulletproof. But to me... When you're using John Cena like this, you want these losses to be meaningful, and they really haven't been. Yes. And, and, and that brings me to Austin Theory. So I just liked this promo for all of the reasons that others who disliked it have already said. It, it, it's just not what I would have done. To like have the big established star come out, just tear down the other guy who just isn't responding and just like ball tap him and leave and then introduce a bigger star, Cody. Oh, it's just like not what I would have done. It's just not. And I can be guilty of when something is what I wouldn't have done. I tend to criticize. Now, ultimately, I don't think a lot of this criticism matters. So I don't want to go too far into it. A lot of things you said, uh, Justin Joint uh, and Ryan Drosty brought up in that last episode, by the way, about the hit Cena's history. But WWE fans don't seem to care about valid criticism. And they keep pointing to the fact that Fury will win the match. That as, as I don't know if excuse is the right term, but just, I guess, as a counter to what happened last week. They're like, oh, well, who cares? You know, you you guys are complaining with Cena said to Theory, but Theory's going to go over at Mania. And that's fine, but Theory winning this match is not, you know, a panacea, right? Because... He now, to me, he doesn't just have to win. He has to, like, look really good doing it. And Justin brought up an an interesting point last week when he said, well, I don't really care that Cena buried Austin Theory because I don't like Austin Theory. So there is the school of thought, if this guy's not that good, then I guess we're learning. You know, we're throwing him in the deep end, and if he can't shine the way they want to, then maybe they know, okay, we're not going to push this guy anymore. But... I just don't think they put him in a very good position going, you know, I guess he can get his heat back. He can do something. Ryan brought up that he's doing a movie, Cena. So I don't know how much more Cena's going to be on television between now and Mania. To me, I think it's really important that Austin Theory not, he doesn't have, it's not just winning. He has to look very credible at Mania if you're going to build this match like how they did. Which I think can happen. However, as you mentioned, Cena's off filming a movie and he's probably disappeared when this WrestleMania match is over. Where in the world does Austin Theory go from here and who who can actually make him compelling? Because this is obviously Vince McMahon's project. Well, yeah. All right. Here's the thing. Um, I don't think it was as bad as when Reigns completely dressed down Theory over the summer. Do you remember that? It was one of the first SmackDowns after Vince left, and Reigns was in the ring with Theory, and he's like, your daddy's not here anymore. (laughs) And, like, Heyman's just laughing at him. And Theory had no response, and he had, like, this expression on his face, like he just gotten burned really badly by a bigger star, which is exactly what happened. And and he just looked so small-time in there. I didn't actually think... 
this was as bad as that. But I would disagree with Ryan and Justin on one thing, and that's I don't think Austin Theory looked good or came across as important in that Cena promo last week at all. Like I, it, it was mentioned that Cena had um, it, it, he, he was kind of given carte blanche on the segment. I don't know if he expected Theory to have more comebacks or if that or if the segment went exactly as Cena imagined, but like. You, you just don't, whether it's the baby face or the healer, I mean, you don't just want two guys facing off and one guy just putting the other guy down and the other guy taking it. You just don't want to do that. I, I just, I don't understand why you would put a segment together like that. And you would think that the two of them would collaborate beforehand and just kind of go over the nooks and crannies of what they're both going to say as well. Yeah, which makes me think that it's not like I don't think Cena was like waiting for a response from Theory that that he never got. I just I don't know. It's an odd way to put it together. Ryan made the point last week that the story. You know, that that maybe they're trying to tell is, well, this young upstart's going to earn the respect of John Cena. You know, he, he likened it to the sports world. I don't like that story if that's the one they're telling. To be honest, the Austin Theory is not the kind of character, Jesse, who the fans should have this, like, respect for. Like, it, the, the story of the match needs to be that Austin, at the end needs to be, oh, my God, Austin Theory just beat John Cena. And yeah. that's a very big deal. And that Theory goes on to bigger and better things as a result. I mean, I think like Austin Theory trying to earn the respect of John Cena is, again, it's not the direction I would go at all. Especially if you're trying to portray him as a heel. And from what I had heard last night as well on Raw is that his entrance came out looking more like he's going to flip over to the babyface side when this is over. And I don't know how in the world that's going to happen. No, no. Um, and, and again, the other thing too, and I, you know, it was funny when Ryan just were talking about, it, I was like, make sure you hit on this, make sure you hit on this. And, and they did. I knew they would was the piped in, uh, noise that Cena drew yes. attention to. Why the fuck would you say that on television? Ugh. Like, and it's funny because like WWE fans are like, Ooh, he brought it up, but it's like, you're, you're laughing at the fact that, you know, they're sweetening the noise when no one's reacting. I, I I thought that was just like, what are we doing here? That we're just admitting that guys aren't getting real reactions and that people who don't know that are like, wait a minute, are these reactions phony? You're just the people who don't know that now, they're just going to second guess all the reactions. Uh, this is what's key. All right. I'm going to big picture this, Jesse. Yes. If Fury beats Cena, maybe he looks pretty good doing it. It's OK. That's the goal. What WWE cannot let happen is with Austin Theory is they can't let him become the new Baron Corbin. So Baron Corbin is a guy, and Theory is this way too. You can see where WWE internally knows their audience isn't like like knows that they're not is over to the level of their push, generally speaking, right? Correct. And they kind of what they do with these characters, they kind of lean into that. And it's supposed to be like, oh, that, you know, uh, like they think cheap heat is good heat with these guys. Like they think, oh, crap, Theory won again. Oh, crap, Corbin won again. You know, this will be years past Corbin. That's bullshit. And they think that's good heat when really it's not. And, you know, Corbin has like no credibility left, which is why it doesn't matter how many 
redo as they do with them. It's not going to work uh, at this juncture. But like w- with Austin Theory, there needs to be like you can't just have him be like the cheap heat guy. Mm-mm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like with Corbin, they basically told their audience in that infamous segment with the McMahons, this guy sucks. And the reason that Raw sucked is because he was all on it. Like you don't want the theory to be like that place. So I don't know. I, I think hopefully they're cognizant of it and and and, and they don't do that. But that was just my thought. You, you don't That's want Austin, Austin Theory to be the new Baron Corbin. No, and that's an excellent point because there are some career parallels there as well where they both have failed money in the bank cash-ins and looked god-awful in the in the grand scheme of things too. So you're definitely right where you can, you can write the ship with Austin Theory, but there there is a problem and it is crowd response, number one, because I think in, in prior visits, because I believe he was the Evolve champion in the WWE farm system, like 20 or 21 years old, the guy definitely has the look. He... It's just a matter of of maturation, but you can't go down that same pattern like you alluded to with Baron Corbin as well, where you kind of try to hype him up for a little bit and then he gets dressed down in front of the McMahons in one case. And now theory not once but twice has been dressed down by Roman Reigns and John Cena. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, like I said, you know, you don't want to go too far in the weeds with this stuff without knowing where the story is. We'll see. And, uh, you know, after WrestleMania, how he looked and then how he goes from there. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like the guys last week. I'm not a huge Austin Theory fan. He's got good fundamentals, but fundamentals yes. don't necessarily sell tickets. And he's very young, obviously, but they haven't done him any favors in the build. Like he was like McMahon's, Vince McMahon's young boy, you know, in that WrestleMania feud last year mm-hmm. um, and w- with Pat McAfee. Uh, they, you know, even though, and you brought the fun, the failed money in the bank cash in from, uh, you know, last fall, like he tries to cash in on the U S title fails and then still winds up winning the U S title after he grows a beard. I don't think that's a very quality push. <laughs> so well, we shall see, uh, you know, interestingly enough, Baron Corbin, if you remember, he after his failed cash in, he, what did he do? He lost to John Cena and really it was never the same. After that, I think it was 2017, if memory serves me correct. So if Cena puts Theory over, you know, I guess maybe Theory won't be the next Baron Corbin. But I, I just, I don't, they, they have to be careful where he's not that cheap heat heel where they lean, they're like, oh, the audience doesn't like this guy. So we're going to like lean into that. We think that's good heat. I, I, no, he, he, that, that's not going to work. Big picture. Um, Anything else on Austin Theory, Jesse? I'll go quick. It's, it's a matter of the dangerous, just the dangerous fact that people, the cheap heat is just going to mean that the crowd doesn't care about Austin Theory. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't yeah. think they care right now. I mean, you know, I mean, his, his matches do not get a lot of reaction. So I've said this before and I'll say it again. Give the guy a real push, though, and we can find out what we've got. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think. You know, if Cena's out there saying, oh, nobody cares about you. They pipe noise in for you. And even if you beat me, no one's going to still care. I just don't think that's setting him up well. I just don't. Uh, again, I agree with you. And, and, like, the idea that, like, he has this good performance at Mania, like, I just don't think that's the way to do it. I don't know. Like, I, to me, he needs to, like, outfox John Cena and just, like, you know, 
and people need to be like mad. I, I don't know. I, I guess there's a balancing act. I just don't think that that was a, it's not the way I would have done it, I guess, but we yeah. shall see. Mm-hmm. All right. Main event scene is kind of clicking in the WWE. We've talked about that. Um, Jay Uso turned on Sami Zayn last week. Uh, Cody cut another nice promo last night on Raw. My immediate thought was that Jay Uso's turn would have been much better at the Chamber. I know the guys agreed with that as well. Uh, but WWE has to drag this stuff out because all the TV time to fill. But Jay's turn gets over the building. Uh, the, the crowd really bit when Jay went over to Sammy. And they thought, oh, my God, Jay's not turning heel, but then he does. So what'd you think? That segment I, I was a winner. It was. And I'll ask you this question in return as well, Kyle. Did you like the follow-up with Jay Uso on SmackDown as well in regards to his turn on Sammy? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I did. I did, as a matter of fact. Yeah, because, and the one thing I really keyed in on was he would never turn his back on family. He never mentioned Roman Reigns in this process, though. He mentioned his brother Jimmy exclusively. So it was more so to that than it was Roman. Yeah, and there's been a lot of speculation. People think that, like, maybe post-mania, Jay will feud with Roman again, and that they might go back to that. I saw a lot of that on social media. I'm in the same camp, and I don't necessarily know if I'd be opposed to it. I, I think it would be a fresh, fresh-ish type idea to rehash that. I don't know about you. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to have to... I, there's only so many guys in the promotion with credibility. Uh, and, yeah. you know, we're going to talk about Roman Reigns' credibility and how important it is to this promotion uh, momentarily. But, you know, I, I mean, I guess that's something to do. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think there are people who, like, like, you know, oh, Jey Uso should be the guy to, to throw Roman Reigns. I think that's insane, to be honest with you. Uh, but the guy who many think may very well, in fact, dethrone Roman Reigns is Cody Rhodes. Uh, I thought, again, his promo last night was very good. He is defying the skeptics, Jesse, who thought there would be a backlash <laughs> because of Sammy. This guy gets a reaction. I saw the video from MSG over the weekend. People chant his name before he comes out. I know, as we've said before, it's a more obedient audience that WWE has nowadays. But the way they're using Cody is very smart. And the way they portray him is very smart. Absolutely. I'm I'm, I'm impressed. I mean, they've done a great job. And I also feel as well... That we don't wish to injure anyone, but the the torn pec muscle that he suffered prior to Hell in a Cell to allow six months off of television and make a triumphant return of the Royal Rumble was also very helpful to his case as well to build upon the hero's story that he's trying to tell right now. No, it was great because, you know, if he doesn't get hurt, like what does he do the last six months of the year? I mean, they, I, I mean, th- does that I mean. Would they have had to put him in? I mean, they had enough stuff. So, I mean, you look at what Roman did in that time. He defended against Matt Riddle in July. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, uh, who did he work against SummerSlam? I already forgot. Brock. Brock again. Yeah, that's right, because they had to call Brock back because Orton, the, the plan was Orton, I think, and Orton was hurt. And then yes. they had the Drew McIntyre match, which obviously was not going to change. They had the Logan Paul match in Saudi Arabia. 
I don't know. I, it would have been interesting what they would have done with Cody. Would they have kept him away from Reigns? I mean, was this the plan all along uh, to have him challenge at WrestleMania? I think the injury and then having him come back for Mania season, though, certainly does work to Cody's benefit, which I think was your point. Should, yes, it was. Should Cody be the one to get Kevin and Sammy back together? Ooh. Ah, that is a difficult question to answer because obviously he's clearly on the side of Sami Zayn. I'm just wondering if the unification of Kevin and Sami without Cody would just be a result, direct result of their both of their hatreds for the bloodline. So I don't. I mean, then that just that side that you gave right there could mean that it maybe would be better. It'd be a better look for Cody to be the one to unify them, especially since it's not just about Roman. It's not just about the world title. It just seems like he has a little bit of an investment as well in the entire bloodline. I think it's, well, first of all, it, it's a great way to babyface Cody even more, right? If he's the guy, the yes. audience, the storyline, because the audience wants Kevin and Sammy to join back together. But I think like if they just like one day, like, yeah, let's come back together. Again, you're giving the people what they want, and it's probably fine. But, like, if I can see in my head right now, Cody cutting a promo, speaking like as the voice of the fan, like, "Hey, we want to see you guys get together." I can see them doing that. I think that's. I think they should do that. I think that would be again. It would portray Cody in a positive light. It would get the big pop. I think it's the way to go. You're talking me into it. I think what was, and I know it's kind of ironic that it's the perfect storm, was the Elimination Chamber Roman Reigns amazing main event was in Montreal. You almost wish that it was somewhere else because I don't think Sammy would have gotten that crowd reaction and also made officials behind the scenes question whether or not Cody Rhodes was the right play heading into WrestleMania when in actuality he, he oh. is. Well, well, no. I'll let you clarify in a second, but like to me, I I, I don't know. Like I, I the, the, that match being in Montreal, I think was great. I know that there's part of us that are like, oh well, fuck, like how do you not put him over in that moment? And if, if the match isn't in Montreal, obviously no one's thinking about putting Sami Zayn over. But I thought Correct. the match, I thought the match did benefit from being in Montreal, even. And, and I still, I, I might be in the minority. I still think WWE made the right call in not putting Sami Zayn over in that match. Especially when he wasn't the, the long-term answer. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. I, I made kind of a controversial take a couple of weeks ago that if I recall that they were going to lighten Roman's schedule a little bit, which they most certainly have. And if I'm seeing some stuff like months, two months ago, maybe before the Bloodline storyline even heated up, was that Roman wasn't even going to be involved in Elimination Chamber. So they had to force their hand more so to create this match, which had a pretty solid blow-off, obviously, and further a lot of stories as well. So so Cody Rhodes can get interjected with Roman Reigns, and then you could have Sami Zayn involved with the Usos, which I actually really like the fact that I think I really would have liked to have seen Jey Uso as well kind of have that trigger pulled at Elimination Chamber just to so the crowd would have more of this nuclear reaction as opposed to the stunned silence that their hometown hero had lost to Roman. Yes, I agree with that. I thought, and we said that in the, in the Chamber review, that, that 
you know, it would have worked better, I think, if Jay would have turned um, it, rather than Roman just, you know, <laughs> kicking Sammy's ass and getting the pin. But, you know, like we said, there's a lot of TV time to fill as well. And, and you know, I just want to go back to this. I, I, do you, like, what, as you watch the WWE television, you know, have you, because it sounds like you were skeptical of, you know, going with Cody over Sammy. Have you checked? Because, like, to me, I, I, I again, I'm in the minority. I I just didn't think putting Sam, the the belt on Sammy was the right call. It would have been a great moment, but I think then it's like, well, what do you do with Sammy Zayn as the world champion? Which is an excellent point as well. I don't like I said. I mean, I think back to Sammy unloading on the unloading the chair on Roman at Royal Rumble in that crowd in San Antonio exploding. And it, it started to conjure some thoughts in my brain of just kind of rehashing what Yeslemania sounded like and what CM Punk's pipe bomb and his Chicago reaction sounded like. And moving forward as well, it's like, could they strike again while the iron's hot with this guy? Even though, in it, and I think that's the one thing that they're really conveying about this story is this is, I think at first it was about, first it was Jay Uso trying to get the respect and love for Roman Reigns. And it turned into Sami Zayn interjecting himself in the bloodline and getting the love for Roman Reigns. When in actuality, I think the feud all along has been Sami and Jay Uso fighting it over for the adoration of Roman Reigns and maybe being next in line potentially. But I know Roman squashed that. So there's just kind of a lot of loose ends that they really tied together well, I think. We will get back to, to that. Um, you know, the idea of like if Sami Zayn could have been Daniel Bryan, if he could have been, you know, like a, a CM Punk. I, I want to get back to that because it actually fits into a larger picture and a discussion we're going to have later. But the current WrestleMania 39 card, Jesse, let's pull this up here. WrestleMania 39. I wanted to get your thoughts on how it compares to the previous two-day manias. Do you think this is a better looking card than the last three years? Are you more excited about this card than the last three years? Where are you at with WrestleMania 39? Uh, from Los Angeles. As I'm looking at last year's card to start out, so WrestleMania 38, which was in Dallas, I like what's happening more right now than I do that one. That is for sure. Just the whole, I think at that time especially, but it's also ringing true today, which is why this Roman Cody match is so important, is... Roman and Brock were and are the two biggest names in world wrestling entertainment. They both have wiped out the entire main event scene. That's a problem. But it also, and again, I think it rendered the undercard useless. So when it comes to this year, I, I feel that Triple H has, while he hasn't done an exceptional job of rebuilding the undercard, he has taken a step or two out of the grave, I think, with that undercard and made it a little more relevant again. So seeing some of like the Seth Rollins, Logan Paul match, for example, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with with Logan Paul as a whole. I I think they did the right move by turning it heel. That's for mm -hmm. sure. So you have that going for you. 
Edge, Jillian, Finn Balor, eh, I mean, we, I think you and I have the same sentiments there. The two women's title matches, eh, Rhea Ripley, I have a little bit of excitement for. I'm hoping that they actually give her the time to shine and run with that proverbial ball on the SmackDown side of things. When, I, when I'm looking at 38 last year, there just was a lot of filler. And instead of Bobby Lashley wrestling Omos, now we have Brock Lesnar going against Omos. Yeah, that's true. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, I think when you what the highlights of last year's Mania were Cody Rhodes returning. And there's mm-hmm. now some synergy with this Mania because he's he's in the main event this year. The Bianca Belair Becky Lynch match was very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you talked about the main event. It those guys were by far the two biggest names in the promotion. <laughs> they had just destroyed everyone else. It, mm-hmm. it this feels more interesting though because like. Brock Lesnar winning the title back from Roman Reigns while you believed it could happen seemed like a very uninteresting pivot where I think there's it's more intriguing the idea of Cody who's come back to the promotion winning it. Uh, So the main event scene has been better in my opinion. I think you look at the mid card. The whole key now with this promotion is with Everyone, the way they're positioned, I think the audience is okay with it in a sense that, you know, it's not like, oh, like, you don't look at this and say, yeah, this guy, like, should be doing way more, I guess. The the one thing I will say is I think the women's division's taken a hit in the WWE this year. Like, like even like like last year, we had the Bianca-Becky match, which I, I mentioned was very good. And the other title match was Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Now, I, I, you know, I know Ripley has been really good in her role in Judgment Day, mm-hmm. but, you know, the Bianca and Asuka thing just hasn't worked at all. I think I, that segment last night was just a real head scratcher. So, I don't know. I think over, the, the, to me, they, they have the answers right in front of them with how unifying the titles made Roman a bigger star and was better overall for the promotion. Yes. Even if it means less title matches, because yes. everything feels more special. I don't know why they don't do that with the women. Ooh. I just don't know why they don't unify the titles with the women. It's um, it's very it's very odd. Especially when you're seeing the crossover of both brands as well. Yes, more so on the men's side than the women's. Mm-hmm. Yes, I um. Uh, yeah, I mean, the brand splits all but dead, so I, I don't know why they have uh, two championships there. But I don't know. I, I mean, I had, last year's Mania was – the first night was good. I think we really went off on the second. At the second, I had that like that hideous uh, uh, Vince McMahon, Pat McAfee deal. Um, you know, with Austin, with Austin Theory, that was like so bad, so masturbatory. I didn't think like <laughs> – like nothing – in rest like the pre like i'll be honest with you i mean and i was at a couple of them i don't think like any of the wrestlemanias 32 to 38 were above average uh personally so i mean the way that this audience is responding coming in i don't know this has a chance i guess to be the best wrestlemania in a while people the, the people who like wwe like this build i think 
it, it's a deal. If you look at this card and, and you're not happy with it, you're probably someone who's probably not going to be happy with WWE 95% of the time, I guess, like me. And, and you wonder why the hell, you know, are we even talking about this? But um, let's move, shift gears here now, because there are some very interesting debates I want to have with you, Jesse. And the first, uh, both of them involve Roman Reigns. The first, centers around John Moxley winning wrestler of the year in the wrestling observer newsletter awards over Roman Reigns. The, uh, he had 498 first place votes, uh, 3,101 total votes, Roman Reigns, 232 total votes, our first place votes, pardon me. And 2,216 votes. Uh, I think there's like a point system there, but John Moxley more than two to one with first place votes, over Roman Reigns, and Dave had the following to say. As expected, this turned into a two-person race with Moxley, Jonathan Good, 37. Love when he does that. And former S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> partner, Reigns, uh, Levi Joseph Anoa, Anoa. How do you say the last name? I think it's Anoy. Yes, Anoy, oh. 37, both yeah. 37. Um, anyway, Meltzer would say, the way I see the argument, it comes down to Reigns as the biggest star of the year in pro wrestling as WWE champion for the entire year and headliner on the biggest shows during a year that got very strong for the company after April. He had good to great matches on top, which is a big part of the award. But the argument is most valuable. And this is where people started getting taken umbrage with Dave's argument. Reigns worked a very limited schedule and the company did roughly as well with him and not with him. The SmackDown ratings rise was as much tied to Sami Zayn and Jay Uso, who carried it to strong results when Reigns wasn't around, as the weekly angle. Moxley was the more valuable, says Dave, because he was twice, after injuries to Punk, called to lead the company. Had he not been around, the declines would have been greater than they were. Coming off rehab at the start of the year, he and Chris Jericho really carried the company during different periods when so many top names were out with injuries, and later after All Out when Punk, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks were suspended. You take both out of the picture in 2022, and it's AEW. That would be hurt far worse. I disagree a lot with what Meltzer had to say there. What do you? What says you, Jesse? I had to listen to the other sides of this, and I'm actually going to ask you because I'm not as familiar with how Dave Meltzer grades the wrestler of the year because he used the argument as well as most valuable. Wouldn't wrestler of the year and most valuable be separate entities? Well, well there no, there, there's like most outstanding. There's a most outstanding worker award too. So like this to me, like wrestler of the year is like, to me, always been the equivalent of, you know, the MVP award in okay. normal sports. And it is very, look, man, I like Moxley. He just had a match of the year contender with Adam Page. But I think Dave's argument that Moxley is more valuable than Roman Reigns was just wrong. Like, and he goes into this thing about like, oh, and both, um, for the record, Okay, look, I know there's some people who hate Jim Cornette. I listened to it because I had heard, I had been told that he went off on the award, so I listened to it. Okay, Todd Martin of the Pro Wrestling Torch, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Shout out to Frank Pettiotti and Zach Hader and our good friends over at the Torch. I love The Fix. I think it's a very good show. They both went off on Meltzer's rationale for this and were very much of the opinion Roman Reigns is more valuable 
than John Moxley. And and the one thing that is so key, and I think Meltzer's wrong about, is when he looks at the SmackDown ratings rise and he's like, it's as much tied to Sami Zayn and Jey Uso. Uh, I, I I think that's just bad analysis because what are Sami Zayn and Jey Uso talking about? Roman. Every- Yes, like the key to WWE this year and the best thing they did, even if you you think the TV is a bore, which it largely is the five hours a week. They have set it up now, the hierarchy where Roman Reigns orbit is like the most important thing in this promotion. If you are within Roman Reigns orbit, you are more important than you are if you are outside that orbit. We saw it with Drew McIntyre going into the... um, Clash at the Castle feud, right? He was very important going into that. He lost. He's not as important when he's outside the orbit. And I look at Sami Zayn, and this is why when comparing him and Cody, I I do question what Sami Zayn world champion would look like. Sami Zayn, if he's not feuding with Roman Reigns, I don't know what you do with him. I just don't think that's something you want. I I don't think he does well as world champion. Sami Zayn's success to me, and he, well, he's performed very well and very admirably, better than I think most people would in that spot. He's a very talented performer. Sami Zayn is not as over right now it, 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 if he had not been feuding with Roman Reigns. That's There's just no way. Accurate. It's all about the fact that he feuded with Roman Reigns and was in Roman Reigns' orbit. Like the idea that Sami Zayn and Jey Uso could have a feud, uh, like let's say Roman Reigns just took the year off and Sami Zayn and Jey Uso were the, was the top feud. It, WWE would not have done as well. Oh, there's that. Yeah, there's absolutely no way. And going back to WrestleMania 38 real fast, Sami Zayn was involved with Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> he will, well, you know, but say, you know, it's funny. Everyone always cites that, and it's true. But I, I think Sammy was actually kind of proud of that whole deal. I think it it was it, it was something he liked. Um, and I didn't actually hate it as much as as some other things WWE has done. But um, Todd Martin on the torch, he brought up a key point, and it, it, it was very timely because I just got done breaking down 1992 WWF with Liam O'Rourke, and we were talking about. Um, why Randy Savage's world champion in 1992 fell so flat and he had done so well in 1988 in that role. And Todd Martin actually answered the question because in 1988, Randy Savage was in Hulk Hogan's orbit and in 1992, he was not. And and, and I, I make that point to bring it back to Reigns. When you have someone who is so clearly defined as the top guy and they have an orbit and it's working, there's really no other argument, and you're in the top company, there's really no other argument that for anyone to be most valuable player, you know, most valuable wrestler of the year, other than Roman Reigns, in my opinion. And then you throw on top of that, I didn't really like AEW for the six months when John Moxley was interim champion twice. I was actually going to try to spin these two things together. Let's see if I can do it. Okay. Roman Reigns. So attendance, the ratings, everything went up over the course of 2022 because of Roman Reigns. Business went up because of Roman Reigns. It would not have been the same without him in the in the WWE. I feel that Sami Zayn and 
Jay Uso. The secondary the secondary characters took a bigger role right around the end of November in the Survivor series. So we're talking maybe what would that be? Close to eleven full months where Roman is the focal point. And even then, the secondary characters are still going to be answering to the focal point. Now let's get to John Moxley. He was the second half AEW wrestler of the year. So before that, we had CM Punk and MJF who were the hottest thing on AEW television. Everybody Mm -hmm. loved it. Hangman Page was your champion putting on exceptional matches, but he was always foreshadowed by that. And then, of course, the formation of the Blackpool Combat Club with Brian Danielson and John Moxley. But they were the secondary feud there as well. You roll into, into Double or Nothing, and while the Anarchy in the Arena match stole the show, what everybody remembers from that was Eddie Kingston and what could have been his breakout moment. CM Punk wins the championship, and then, of course, the unfortunate injury in early June. So as soon as Punk went out... That's when Moxley was given the opportunity to run with the ball, more or less. And what we saw were ratings were starting to come down a little bit. There was less interest in the product as a whole. You had attendance that was down just a little bit. And once Punk came back, he tried to repair what was what was taken away over the last couple of months. But by then, the momentum had sailed. So, and they also, you witnessed it with CM Punk and John Moxley in Cleveland. I still mm-hmm. felt that that match should never have taken place. You could have totally had a three work, three to four week build where you probably would have had another 30 to 35,000 pay-per-view buys for all out and a lot more buzz. And you could have carried a lot more, a lot more momentum going into the end of 2022. So while I thought that John Moxley was superior in the ring over the course of 2022, if we're looking at wrestler of the year and the guidelines that you've just put in front of me, I'm not going to argue with you now. I've had my mind changed. I do feel that Roman Reigns was the 2022 wrestler of the year yeah and you make a really good point when you talk about that you know first half of the year like john moxley was just he was one of several guys an ensemble in aew if you will that was near the top roman reigns the entire year from january 1st 2022 to december 31st 2022 was the unequivocal top guy i mean you could argue that maybe you know him and lesnar were still kind of close going into mania but once reigns won at wrestlemania it was not even close there was it was probably the biggest gap between one and two that we've seen in wwe Mm -hmm. in a long time and here's the thing if wwe totally sucked in 2022 like and again i when I say it's it's not like my just personal taste, but like if this if business like completely flopped and went down the shitter once they made Reigns the unequivocal top guy, then okay, he's not the most valuable. Obviously, would it would be a totally. But the point is, everyone kind of agrees that the WWE, you know, it, by several metrics, got better once Reigns unified the title. And he, when one guy is so clearly the top guy in the promotion, he really should have won wrestler of the year. I, you know, Dave's point about that Moxley was really important in that period where, uh, uh, you know, everybody was suspended and gone. Yeah, I agree. He was important because they needed somebody to be the world champion. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, again, I, I didn't like his two interim runs necessarily. And when it came time to full gear, okay. Everyone wanted MJF to beat him. 
Yes. Like, not in a sense of like, and MJF was the heel. Everyone just kind of agreed that MJF was the better option as champion. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so Moxley was critical as someone with credibility to, to get the title at a time when it's like, okay, who the hell could be the world champion? But it was just to put over MJF. So th yeah. that, that, that's kind of another knock against Meltzer's argument. If um, you know, if people have a, a Torch VIP subscription, they can listen uh, to Todd Mo Martin. It was the March 6th edition of The Fix. He goes on a very extended rant about it. I really uh, like The Fix quite a bit. Um, obviously, we love Zach. We love Frank uh, at The Torch. Um, it, it, I, I really like The Fix. Shout out to The Torch there. Uh, it's a really good show. Uh, that Todd Martin does with Wade Keller uh, every week. Long-form discussions. I, I enjoy it. Anything else you want to add on Wrestler of the Year? Roman was the undisputed top guy, the Universal Champ or WWE Undisputed Universal Champion, whereas John Moxley, not once, but twice, was the transitional. He was a placeholder, yeah. And, and that's AEW like World Champion. The first time you knew it was going to, well, you didn't know. I mean, there, I guess there were some people who thought maybe he shouldn't have lost to CM Punk, but it wasn't like, I don't know. It felt like when he lost, well, <laughs> obviously in the, in the brawl out, everyone's like, well, fuck, maybe they should have just had Moxley go over. But um, yeah, I mean, he was important to AEW, but I think his overall importance does not outweigh Roman Reigns. All right. Last discussion here. Roman Reigns and Triple H. I posted this. Uh, on Facebook, February 24th, people can go back and look at the posts. I was in Florida at the time. These are the thoughts that come to a man when he's in Florida. I said, better WWE career, Jesse, Roman Reigns or Hunter Hearst Helms? <laughs> what is your immediate reaction to that question? My head is spinning. I have so much. I have so many notes written down here. Okay, go on. Go, get at it. And I think it's a, it really depends. It's more of a more of a consistency at the top versus longevity argument here. I mean, Reigns has been in the WWE for a little over a decade, where Triple H had a, like a twenty year career. We'll say because of injuries and all of that stuff. I think it's do you want to take whose peak? Do you take? Do you would you take like a Triple H two thousand? run or would you take roman right now in his current iteration you have that i think from a, if you weigh every every single metric you have promos where i think hunter overall is a little bit better promo where roman has definitely improved significantly i don't think that especially over the last couple of years that there hasn't been anybody on roman Reigns level on the one side where uh, during a lot of Triple H's run, especially we'll start. So he started to really heat up towards the end of 1999, where he won the his first WWF championship after SummerSlam and then got hot in 2000. But then in 2001, when he tore his quad during that tremendous tag match and he did himself or was gone with the rehab and everything. And everybody saluted his return in 2002. And then his 2002 from about 2004 to five was just, it was just okay. And, but not only just that, I think the two things that they have in common is that they had the approval of the higher ups, whether we like it or not, Triple H marrying into the family while Roman was Vince McMahon's poster child. He saw the dollar signs in him. I think if we were to look at it from that perspective, I would take Roman Reigns over Triple H but I think if you weigh everything out, the matches, 
the promos, the feuds. It's an extremely difficult conversation. And I don't know in actuality who, which side I would take. I think if I'm looking at this correctly, as of now, and I'm talking by the whiskers of like just by the narrowest of margins as of now, I think I would take Hunter by a note wow. over over Roman Reigns. And I, again, I could have my mind completely changed, especially we'll definitely see how this ends with the Roman Reigns championship and where they go over the next year or two. So I think he easily has the chance to surpass Triple H and become the more superior professional wrestler when his career is over. I don't actually I don't think that's going to be a question. I think Roman is going to do it just right now. Just by what I see on paper, I would take Triple H by a nose over Roman Reigns. Okay, I'm going to read a the comment on the post from Ryan Drosty. Okay, I thought this was very good. Quote, how many years of his career was Hunter, quote, the guy? Austin and Rock were gone for a lot of 2002, but were still, well, were still clearly the top dogs when they were there. Austin retires after Mania 19, but Rock is still coming back here or there, totally overshadowing Hunter. But 2003 would be the first year where you could make an argument Triple H was the undisputed top star by 2004 as well. By 2005, it's Cena's house, and Batista is way cooler than Hunter, too. I would agree with that. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, good. I did like this comment. I wanted to make sure I had already. Um, Ryan also says, I'd have to go with Reigns as his sustained time at the top of the card unparalleled is a lot longer and he's been more crucial to the company's success than Triple H ever was. Without Reigns the bloodline, most of WWE has been unwatchable now for years. If you subtract Triple H from 2003-2004, there's still a lot of other good stuff happening and he wouldn't be as missed as Reigns would be now. I'll add on to that, Mr. Drosty, that I think you can make the argument if you push Triple H down the card in 2002 in 2003, 2004, WWE would be better. It's not that he just wouldn't be missed. I, I like. I think the best argument for Reigns, and Ryan kind of laid this out, is Triple H was the clear top guy those two years, and those two years are not as good as Reigns' two years on top. They're just not. Now, you brought, because... During that time, everyone was like, dude, somebody needs to unseat this Triple H. And business was going downhill. Like, 2003, 2004, like, the ball was rolling the wrong way for WWE down the hill. Whereas now, it's not. Now it's a different dynamic, of course. And yes, there's the argument that the brand is the star still. But I, I think Roman Reigns is honestly the first guy since John Cena to outshine the brand. And you brought up Triple H's 2000. Ryan kind of hit on this as well. He wasn't, it's, it, people love that because of the in ring, right? Correct. Okay. And you look at who he's working with Foley, Rock, mm -hmm. Jericho. Mm -hmm. All those people are better than Triple H. They're all, you know, Foley and Rock are unquestionably top 10 WWE guys ever. Yes. Jericho might be in the top 10, quite frankly. I, I would rate all three of them higher than Triple H. The thing with Triple H, okay, the in-ring, the first half was very good. But the second half, I thought he did a lot of damage to the company by not putting guys over. 
and the company was worse off for it. I think some people now complain, oh, man, what do you address? Like, it, you know, you look at the people Reigns is beat. Maybe at the time you're like, oh, maybe that guy should have gone over here. But then you look back with hindsight and you're like, eh, no, they shouldn't have put Drew McIntyre over Roman Reigns. That would have been silly. You know, oh, they shouldn't have, you know, they shouldn't have put Brock Lesnar over Roman Reigns. That would have been silly. I think that Roman Reigns, um, you know, this run again, much as the unquestioned top guy has done a better job than Triple H. Now, Triple H has the longevity where he's got probably and, and he was in an era that wrestling was more popular. But Triple H also, because of that longevity, he had he ha if he didn't have more peak moments than Roman Reigns, that would be a colossal failure. That's an excellent point. And this is something you can't do. I'll make this quick as well. The whole throwing somebody in an era perspective, like taking somebody and inserting them in there, putting a Roman Reigns style character back in the attitude or not even the attitude area. We'll just say when business was down in 2003, four. 2002, 3, 4, when it was spiraling downwards, would he have done better than Triple H? Jeez, now you're really starting to talk me into, yes, I think he could have done a better job there. Because at that time, you could have elevated Booker T, MED, something that they completely failed upon. I mean, yeah, you're making some excellent points. I, I just, you know, um, there were and there was some good debate on this in Facebook. It was not a unanimous decision. Um, you know, and, and Reigns, the thing is, he has fewer, like, big names to work with as well. Ryan brought up, like, Triple H, you know, it's not just, like, the good matches he had. I mean, it was, he, if you took Rock and Austin out of the equation in that era, WWE, and once you did, WWE completely fell off. Like, that's the biggest argument against Triple H of all time. It's like, once Rock and Austin left, the company really what started to go downhill business-wise. And, you know, would that happen if Roman Reigns pieced out at the WrestleMania and was never seen again? Ooh. We, don't, we don't know, but, like, I, I think, you know, Triple H, you know, he, yes, he had a great in-ring run, but he also, I, I don't know, I, I stopped liking Triple H in the second half of 2000, and he, you know... He, like the whole 2006 2010 run just stinks as a baby face um i'm trying to make other comparisons like you know triple h as part of a group you know as part of dx you know he, he obviously wasn't the star in the original dx the 98 version as baby faces was more of an ensemble Reigns was not necessarily the un unquestioned star of the Shield, even though they they clearly wanted to push him the most. You, we all knew mm -hmm. that, but it, to me, I think if I was to make the argument, I, I center around the fact, like Ryan said, when you had uh, when both were put in the position to be the top guy, Reigns was just simply better, and and, um, and so I would give Reigns a slight nod, but you alluded to this, Jesse, that, you know, Reigns, his chapter's not, his book isn't done. And, no. you know, barring, you know, kind of like a, a sticky finish, you figure he is probably going to go down as having a better career than Triple H. And that makes me laugh, makes me happy, because I always have the shit on Triple H. So, <laughs> um, so there you have it. I, my verdict is rendered, and I will go with Roman Reigns. Are you still going with Triple H, Jesse, or? 
I think, again, it's a matter of do you want above average for, what would that be, we'll say 12 to 13 years, or do you want, what are we looking at for Roman right now, seven years, no, of superiority, we'll say six years of superiority? Yeah, well, I, well, I mean, here, well, here's the thing, too, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll contradict, like, the one big argument against Reigns is, like, it took him a long time to get where he's at. And I don't know how much of it was his fault and how much it was Vince's fault, but like 2015 to 2019 is like kind of a, is a black mark against Reigns' career. Like they should have turned him way earlier. Like the Roman Reigns we're seeing now, he should have been put in that position way before they did. And if that had happened, maybe everyone would agree it's Reigns. Triple H, he did struggle to get over it for a long time, like as a single. Like other than the Rock match at SummerSlam 98, Triple H was never really over as a single until he got Stephanie in late 99. Like the, yeah. the, the initial heel push wasn't working. So yeah, I guess you could make that like 95 to 99 Triple H as a singles wrestler. You know, was, was probably not, was not as good as Roman Reigns, two, Ro, Ray, as Reigns 2015 to 2019, even though Reigns was drawing a back, the kind of backlash you would never want from somebody in a top baby face position. So yeah. I definitely agree there. It it took it took Mick Foley for sure with Royal Rumble and No Way Out 2000 for Triple H to be elevated to and to the next level where he can be not necessarily seen as the equal of Rock and Austin, but he's he's right there, and you could kind of see the, the the burgeoning singles career for him. Yeah, I mean the, the the failed experiments for Roman again. You mentioned it was it was a combination of Vince definitely saw something he was right in this case that Roman Reigns was the guy to go with it's just the problem was he kept forcing him down our throats in an indirect way he was trying to push this guy as a face when in reality was as you said earlier that 2020 as soon as he came back from COVID in parallel with Paul Heyman kaboom that that was that was the magic trick so I uh again it's it's consistency at the top versus longevity right now uh, I'll, I'll stick with it I'll stick with Triple H by a nose, but I will definitely tell you when this is over that Roman Reigns will definitely have the better WWE slash F career than Triple H. Yeah, so Place to Be Nation, uh, if you follow, it's like a lot of the guys from the PWO message board, there was a, a greatest WWF slash E wrestler count on they did. Oh, goodness, it was close to six years ago. I think it was in 2017. Triple H, I think, placed around number 20. Reigns was around number 40 at that time. But Reigns has clearly moved up a lot based on the last couple of years. Uh, whether you think he's moved up, you know, 20 spaces, I guess, uh, is in the eye of the beholder. But, um, yeah, there we go. So uh, I think that's all I got for today, Jesse. A um, lot of discussions. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I know... Uh, I'm promising unplugged. You are going to be talking WrestleMania 14 very soon. Why don't you tell all the people what you got going? I most certainly will. The Unplugged Wrestling Podcast, which you can find on Google, Apple, and Spotify. I've had Michael Jenkinson from Top Rope Nation Patreon lore to cover the Royal Rumble. WWF No Way Out and the Raws afterwards in discussing kind of going through and I'm watching every 1998 Raw and pay-per-view this year since we're approaching the 25-year anniversary. So we have that to look forward to. We have an interview in the process and I suppose I can make this announcement since it is behind a paywall. At the end of April, I will be going to video. Oh! As well. 
Yes. So look for that down the pipeline. I'm forecasting probably the very end of April, the first week of May, which is something I have been trying to do for the last year, year and a half. And we are going to pull the trigger on that. And one last thing, thank you so much to Tim Jensen as well from Top Rope Nation Lore for creating a brand spanking new logo for oh. my podcast. Yes. So shout out to Tim, shout out to Michael, shout out to the supporters of Top Rope Nation. I truly appreciate you. And Kyle, thank you for having me on once again as we flew through this content today. Yeah, that went quick, man. That was one of the quickest uh, 70 plus minutes of my career. So uh, <laughs> I thank you for joining me. I know, um, you know, busy times. I am about to, uh, if you don't hear from me, folks, well, by the time you hear this, I'll have already gone dark and silent probably, but it's NCAA tournament weekend that takes over my life here uh, this weekend. One of the craziest weeks of the year for yours truly. But he's Jesse Velasquez. I'm Kyle Ross. Until next time, peace.